final Rugby Paper podcast episode centred around the Rugby World Cup 2023. We have a look at the recent changes made to the format in time for 2027, as well as the introduction of a World League. Given the fireworks that went on last time he was on, fasten your seatbelts for the return of the CEO of the Fijian Drua, Mark Evans. Before we kick off this episode of the pod, Christmas is coming up, everyone. For any rugby super fan out there, give them the ultimate Christmas present by gifting them an official hospitality experience at Twickenham with Keith Prowse, principal sales partner to England Rugby Hospitality. They've got a place at the stadium called The Gate, and it is incredible. It's a chop house style restaurant serving some incredible steaks and an all-inclusive bar. But that's not even the best thing, as the premium seats it offers are right on the touchline between the 22s in the East Stand, which in my opinion are the best seats in the stadium. It's an incredible experience and they now only have packages left for the England-Wales match for next year's Guinness Six Nations. So I suggest you get in touch with our friends at Keith Prowse by visiting their website, keithprowse.co.uk forward slash the rugby paper. This episode is going to bring the Rugby Paper Podcast Rugby World Cup 2023 chapter to a close. Um, It was promised at the end of last week's episode, but it is time to have a look at the Rugby World Cup format, which has now changed going forward in what Bill Beaumont has described as the biggest shake-up in rugby um, (laughs) since 1987. (laughs) Chewy's laughing already. That also includes the introduction of a new proposed World League, um, which we'll also be discussing. 12 teams in a top division, 12 teams in a second division, promotion and relegation from 2030. We'll talk a bit more about that in a, in a minute. To do so, joining us today, we have a special guest whose appearance last year was voted by almost all of us, maybe Brendan apart, as our favourite podcast episode of the year. Uh, CEO <laughs> of the Fijian Drua, Mark Evans, do you still think Brendan talks bollocks? Absolutely. Thought it for decades. I see no reason to change my name. <laughs> to change it now would be like, you know, voting Tory. It would just be a, 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 it would be a, a, a dereliction of duty, frankly. Well, you've already got Chris Hewitt on side by that opening statement. How are you anyway? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, good, good, good to be on. Thanks for asking me. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, last time you were on, I believe you were a matter of days out from flying to Fiji, um, obviously getting underway with the Fijian Drua. In that year, you were a seventh place finish in 2023. I think I'm right in saying. Correct. Just tell us about the behind the scenes of your first year out there and how it's all been. Uh, we're going for an hour there, aren't we? Um, no, uh, it, this is the very, very, it's brilliant. It's just so um, joyful. And um, it's a rugby dominated country, albeit. Small, I grant it. Uh, the like of which, if you've never lived here for a while, you, it's very, very hard to explain how dominant rugby is within the culture uh, and how deeply ingrained it is uh, amongst the people of all, both the Itokai and the Indo-Fijian communities, men, women, young, old. It's just brilliant. Um, you know, we have half the population watches the games live on free to air. Just think about that for a minute. That'd be like thirty-two people, thirty-two million people in the UK watching watching club rugby. It's 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 just great, and it's got huge challenges, and there's governance issues, and there's local politics, which is ferocious. There's national politics, which is equally ferocious. There's it's there's it's poor, um, but it's just the facilities are hilarious in in a way. That's the wrong word. I wouldn't know. I mean, you know, 
things you just take for granted just aren't here. Uh, and there's loads still to do. There's loads and loads of stuff that isn't as good as it should be. Um, but it's it's just it's just really enjoyable. And obviously, I want to ask about the correlation with the national team. Um, mm. Before we take mm. a more zoomed out approach to it, speak about obviously Fiji's World Cup has been very, very positive. And yeah. I'm sure that's the feeling well, back there. Well, but, well the, I mean, the project, as we rather portentously call it, the, the Drew project, uh, I quite like that. I must, I use that, I use that a lot. Um, it's a very new labour so word. It's a very new labour word. It's so much more glamorous than team or club um, or even franchise. I'm quite keen on franchise because that irritates a lot of people in England. So I'm quite, I use that quite a lot. For the um, to it. And uh, yeah, it, part of the project is a whole, there's a whole load of stuff around you're trying to, in all seriousness, you're trying to improve capability in broadcast on the island you're trying to improve capability in sort of rugby administration on the island you're trying to get more fijian based or fijian origin um, heritage coaches involved etc etc there's a whole pile of stuff and you're trying to not lose money because you've got no big patron behind you you've got nobody writing checks you've got to make payroll every fortnight you know it's very it's a very disciplined environment in that sense because you can't just say, you know, to whoever, there isn't anyone to sort of to bail you out. The bank doesn't cash a check, you can't make payroll. You know, it's it's that it's that disciplined. Um, but improving the national team, I suppose, is right up there on the podium of the three things the project's trying to do. And I suppose, given that the first year was so difficult, we had to play, in, I wasn't around, but they had to play in Australia, they couldn't play at home. They had to put together a team of players who were on the island in COVID in a two-month period. You know, it was really... And they lost millions and millions of dollars of the startup capital because there was no revenue. And there were massively increased costs because you had to house them in Australia and feed them and all this stuff. Um, so I think... To buy the second year, qualify for the playoffs for the first time, come seventh, win six games, um, have 18 players in the Flying Fijian squad of 33, uh, to retain all but two of the current, of last year's squad, retain ev all except two that we wanted to retain, um, to have 75% of the squad signed up for 2025, to have started a development squad, six of whom got promoted to the main squad this year. We've got another 12 starting last month. Yeah, it, it's it's going... We we always said we didn't think the national team would see the benefit till 2027 World Cup. It would take, it would take that while. We're a really young team. We've only got... Oh, gosh, Joe's gone to Colombia. So we've only got, I think, two players over the age of 26. So that's a very, very unusual age profile. You don't see many teams who are pretty successful with that type of age profile. But that's because the generation above, the 
Kwasielebus, the Botiers, the the Radradras, the all that lot, all those guys, they all went. You know, they all went either to rugby league and then to Union or straight to Union. So that whole generation is not playing for us because they're earning a lot more money playing elsewhere and good on them, you know. Um, so we're a young squad. So we honestly felt that 27 was going to be more likely that where we'd have a big impact. But, you know, the impact was quite, I think, quite significant in 23. Um, I think they got, I think Simon would, send, obviously Simon and I, you know, spent a lot of time together and, and talked a lot about a lot of things. And I think we both agreed that they got a bit tired towards the end. They'd been away. People don't realise. They'd done five warm-up games. They'd travelled to Japan and back. They'd travelled to Samoa and back. Then we went to France and played in France. Then we went to England and played in England. Then we came back to France and played the World Cup. We had two of our... The two big games were up front, games one and two. Lost when we shouldn't have done to Wales. Nothing to do with the referee. It was entirely to do with we didn't take our chances. And that's, I'm serious about that. I mean, there were some... There are always some... Decisions that may or may not go against, but we didn't take our chances, and and we had lots, and we we blew it. You all don't have to stick together, don't you? And and then the second game we beat us, we beat Australia, and then they did get a bit tired. They did. They we struggled against Georgia. Georgia played much better than they had been playing. I was really disappointed in Georgia. The World Cup generally, I've, I've got a lot of time for them, but it's, I've done a bit of work there, and that they 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 didn't. Apart from that one game, they didn't really play as well as they can. And then we 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 really we lost to Portugal and fair play, they deserved it. Um but we 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 sort of staggered through and then re re energized against England. I honestly thought at twenty four all we had them. I, I really did think that was I thought we got them. I thought we'd run them down, they'd played their game, we've run them down from twenty four, whatever it was, ten or something. And we we just didn't quite close it. But, you know, it's it was a good World Cup. And, you know, that generation won't go around again. You know, Botches 31st, sorry, Botches 34, Nasser 11's 33, Red Radra's 31, um, you know, Teddy Teller's 32. He's retired now as he's come home. Um, but there's a good generation coming. There's, there's a lot of good guys who play for the Drupal, like under 26. By the time the next World Cup, they'll have played another at least two years Super Rugby. Some of them will have gone to Europe then, you know, after that. So I think we'll have a we'll have a lot more. I think what Druid did, it, it gave much more depth. It gave a lot more depth to the squad. More competition for places. And it allowed, I think the impact was as much on the European-based players as it was on the Druid boys. They, they saw each other very much on the level, which which hasn't always been the case in previous campaigns for Fiji. It had sometimes, but not always. And they just knew they'd been full-time players for two years. And, and that just made a big, big difference. Um, and that was and that was all done without your fly-off. And, 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 and yeah, and, and Caleb, unfortunately, did his ACL in a non-contact catch in practice. So that's him out for the whole season. But... We've got two really good young tens, and so one of them's gonna, one of them's probably gonna get an opportunity sooner than, sooner than we expected. So you never know; it might turn out for the good. Caleb's contracted for another two years anyway after this year, so um, 
so we'll we'll be fine. We'll be fine. The days when Fiji didn't have any scrum halves and didn't have any fly halves are gone. Mm. They're just gone. Do you, you think? Know, I, I love Nicky Little, but no, for years he was the only fly half Fiji had. For, you know, five years above him and five years below him. I mean, it, yeah. it just isn't like that anymore. They're not just wingers and back rowers. Do you think that if Caleb hadn't had that injury, Mark, that um, you you would have rolled England and actually maybe made semi-finals? I don't know, mate. Who knows? I mean, everyone gets injuries, don't they? I mean, coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, we had a he made a, he should... made a massive difference at Twickenham. You know, to to, good, to your he's, game. He's a very he's a, he's a good young player. He's very inexperienced. He's not played many Super Rugby games. He 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 played. He got injured last year. Can't miss seven games in the middle of the season. Fractured fractured his hand against uh, the Waratahs. So he's 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 you know, yes, he was playing very well. They had a lot of faith in him. People get injured. It's just, yeah. you know, you play with what you got. Look, just in terms of the funding, I'm quite mm. um, interested because World Rugby made uh, quite a lot this World Cup of the fact that they pumped $42 million, um in four yeah. years into the Tier 2 yeah. nations. And yeah. you're talking about the, you know, the relative, you know, starvation, if you like, in terms of funding and so on and so forth. Did that make a um, a difference? It doesn't sound as if it did particularly. We 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 don't claim we're starved with funding. We've never done that. We we are we have got we get money from World Rugby. Have done a fantastic job in Fiji. I'm not talking about. I'm just talking about Fiji now. Without World Rugby, Fiji would be nowhere near where they are. Right. That's just that's just a fact. You talk to anybody. You talk to any. Um, independent source in Fiji and they would say that um, we also get a decent amount of funding from the Australian government I always knew there was a I always knew I was also a big fan of soft power and I'm more of one now and we get to be fair to New Zealand rugby and this doesn't get enough airtime either um, New Zealand rugby fund us to quite a significant degree out of their share of the broadcast as well Right. So there's some cross subsidisation going on within the competition. Are they still missing which, new players? Which comes our way. Um, I would say now we've made quite a few strides in the last twelve months. I'd say the leakage out of the nineteen twenty year old market is now slowed to a trickle. Um, take the under twenties who went to South Africa this year. We signed the five players out of that squad we wanted to sign, all of them. Without it, we got the we, we wanted five, we got five. And there's a whole host of things we've done to try and bring that about. So that was an area where we used to lose a lot of players, and this year we didn't lose any. That's not to say there will be years when we just can't accommodate all the ones we want. We just haven't got enough slots in the structure. You know, we only got 12 slots in development and 37 slots in the main squad. So we only contract 49 players. And some years, you know, it means people got to leave or we don't retain them. So to create some space, um, some years we won't be able to take that many or there won't be that many we think are good enough. Where young men leave Fiji is younger than that. Um and they leave to basically five major markets. 
the sort of 17, 18, 19 year olds can often go straight to France um, on an Esquire contract to get GIF qualified. So there's quite a few people on the island who are quasi agents or have contacts within top 14 and Prodida. There's a smaller but very high quality number go to the NRL. So if you look down sort of uh, most rosters in the NRL, you've got to be careful because some of those Fijian boys will be Australian Fijians who were born there. And it's a bit like saying, well, Mario Tozzi should play for Nigeria. It's just ridiculous. And people should be more nuanced about it. Um, but nevertheless, we do lose a, group, a, a small number. So I don't know how much you follow NRL, but Viliama Kikau, who plays for, well, now plays for the Bulldogs, and won, won a couple of premierships with the Panthers, who's just a wonderful, wonderful um, back row forward in, in league. He'd be a centre in. He was a centre in. He's wonderful. So we lost him a few years back at 19. So, no, younger than that, 18. So you do lose some to the NRL. Not many, but the ones you lose tend to be pretty good. So France, the NRL, Australia and New Zealand schools. That's where you lose them to Australia and New Zealand. You, you they tend to get off. And that's not driven by the NZR or Rugby Australia. That's driven by individual schools who want to improve their rugby programme. And in it's both of those countries... of their unions like everybody else, don't they? You know. Yeah, but... You know, they don't, they can't, well, they were, you can't, if Hastings Boys High want to sign a kid off Fiji, Mark Robinson ain't going to be able to stop them. I mean, you know, we do live in a liberal democracy still, sort of. Um, and and he can't. So do we lose boys to the high school system? Yes, we do. Uh, and then the fifth group is Japan. We lose more than you would think, particularly, but then so do Australia. Australia lose a lot of players to Japan. Mm. At, at a relatively young age. Theirs tend to be a little bit more 18 to 22. Ours tend to be a bit sort of 17 to 19. So look, I think, sorry, long-winded answer. I do apologise. We, I think we've made big strides in the 19, 20-year-old market. We're going to make big strides in the 16 to 19, 18 market in the next couple of years. We're going to start our own. If you can't beat them, join them. We're going to start funding our own scholarships to Australia and New Zealand schools. But a four-year deal where you have a two-year deal with the school and two-year development with the Drua. So you sign a four-year deal before you go. That won't pick up the whole of that group, of course, but it'll pick a, 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 a percentage. And you would hope that that, if we're doing a good job, that will be a more attractive proposition than simply two or three years of a high school where you may or may not get picked up by Manawatu or whatever. You know, it, it, it's more secure. We take a risk, of course, because you might choose the wrong ones, but we should be get better. If that's the case, we should get better at player ID, player ID. So I don't think we'll ever stop the leakage of players entirely between 16 and 20 but to be honest we probably couldn't accommodate all the players if we did you know that the, the problem this idea that all you got to do is stop the players leaving is nonsense right what you got to do is bring in much better high performance programs so that they're, they're, they're in good programs and if ours is a good program we'll have enough We'll produce enough players because you can't play for us if you're not qualified for Fiji, right? We won't sign you. 
it's as it's as it's as it's as it's as rigid as that. You've got to you've got to be two things to play for the Drua. You've got to be qualified for Fiji, and you've got to declare for Fiji. It's not enough just to be. So we couldn't sign Karevu unless he said he'd change from Australia to Fiji, and he'd do his three years. Right? If he'd said that, and he was younger than he is, we'd say fine. Mm. Right? But if, uh, I don't know, so Rob Valentini, Fijian, Marika Korobiti, Fijian, you know, but the, the difference is a big difference. Korobiti is an island boy. I mean, I know because we, we signed him at Melbourne Storm. Um, Rob Valentini's lived in Melbourne all his life. Okay. Again, you've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to know the background before you start making these the broad assumptions because it's way more complicated mm. and nuanced and different than this. I mean, we've just signed a boy, big coup for us, who uh, he got made player of the he made team of the team of the tournament, the under twenties at fly half. A kid called uh, Isaiah uh, Washington Rotuve, and he was born in Tonga. I mean, how, where, what nationality is he? Right, he was born in Tonga. He moved to Brisbane when he was a baby. He lived there for 16 years and then went to high school on a scholarship in New Zealand. And his father's Fijian. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to the modern world of migration. You know, get over it. You know, it, it, this is not the 19th century when nobody moved around the world. So our job is to persuade him, who could play for New Zealand, Australia, Tonga or us, our job is to say he's got a better chance and will get more opportunity. And does he want to play for Fiji? And he decided he wanted to play for Fiji. So he signed on a four-year deal this summer. And we were delighted because he was the first one who came back from New Zealand of his own volition when he had an offer from the Crusaders, an offer from the, from the Chiefs and an offer from us. And that was a big, that was a big thing for us. And we didn't win it on money. We won. We won it on opportunity. Sorry, that was way too long for an hour's podcast. I well, the, the, the thing is, Mark. No, no, any, anyone who's who's given this this whole issue a fair shake has any any problem with the notion that um, Jonah Lomu, born in Auckland, played for New Zealand, or Michael Jones, born in Auckland, played for New Zealand. Etc. 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 That's that's not that's not the issue some of us have had. You know the issue some of us have had, and that's exposure to the top level for what we call second tier or developing nations. Yeah, and that's been that's been rambling on forever since since um, since since Moses played. I mean, the whole thing has been has been ridiculous. And now you've got a situation. I mean, I don't know what your understanding of this is, but this nations championship. We know 10 of the teams. Everyone assumes that Japan and Fiji are the other two. That's fine. But as far as I'm aware, and I am slow on stories, as you know, because I work for the Independent and we weren't that interested in them. Um, but I don't think there's been any official confirmation no, of, the, of the other two. That Hamish um, McClelland, no. who seems it, to be sitting on some sort of Sansar board, was what? saying the other week that they will be looking at various candidates as if there's some sort of interviewing procedure, which I think is shorthand for how much money can they bring to the well, table. It's, so, shorthand, it's shorthand for the United States, isn't it? You know, World Rugby I, has to decide who those teams are on merit. I, I, I don't think... Perhaps. 
Yeah, I, I, I think it's highly unlikely that it'll be it'll be to anybody else. But you're quite right; it's it's not being made official. And you know, coming back to what we said earlier about world rugby, you know, in some of these countries, um, there are a lot of, if you like, non-rugby issues that are at times quite concerning. You know, and, 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 and you've got to you've got to sort of you've got to balance between um you know it, it, it's a it's a really interesting balance because obviously it looks like Fiji, which I'm obviously very passionately uh, involved, uh may well benefit from these changes. And you've got to step back a bit and say, well, that's as maybe, but is it the right thing to do? Um, and you know, I feel very as I've got a, people probably know I've got a I, I'm an expansionist, you know, I'm a closed league expansionist, as everybody knows, right? Relegation is the enemy of growth hmm. at international and domestic level, and hmm. anyone who doesn't understand that is an idiot. Well, I'd, I'd say the other way around, Mark. I'd say that really? if you look at what's, yeah, really, if you look at what's mm. happening in the mm. Premiership at the moment, what you've got is relegation having a major part in mm. the downturn mm. and the killing of the game here. Yeah, well, I, I could demolish that argument, but let's talk about let's talk yeah. about the world. I've heard your demolition and, before and the new structure, uh, um, but so how do you bring? other nations in well the world cup's a good change that's a good change i think 25 a lot of people didn't want 24 teams as they say it's not competitive too many blowouts i think that's true but i'd still do it i think there will be more blowouts um and everyone's talking about portugal and they were fantastic um but again, I've done some work in Portugal. If you go to Portugal and see what their union actually consists of and what the game is like in that country, it's miles away from, let's say, Georgia. Georgia's way ahead of Portugal. Portugal have got this golden generation based around the university, out of the Lusitanos. It's, fun, it's fabulous, but it's, there's nothing else around it. The crowds are really small. There's no commerciality. They did brilliantly. Um, they've got to go and play in France. Um, and, you know, I see yesterday some bloke is going to turn on, uh, turn, uh, take over or something very big in Spanish rugby, who should be a lot bigger than Portugal. Yeah. It, it's a much bigger sport in, Port in Spain that is in Portugal in a much bigger country. Um, he's saying you won't pick people if they don't play in Spain. He was misquoted there, Mark. I, I, was he I tweeted good? him on, but... Oh, good. He was slightly misquoted. Oh, um, but uh, what did he mean then, Bren? Well, I'm trying to think exactly what what he said was. First of all, they they valued the link with um, heritage players in France, but they weren't going to go chasing them. They they had to come to them. They weren't chasing them. They weren't going to do enough. any what I would call buy ups. Anybody who's already been capped for Spain is you know eligible going forward. I think what he was trying to say is. And I suspect your point you're coming to here is you've got to concentrate on the domestic league 
if they're going to grow. They've got a great under-20 team like Portugal had. We've got to get these guys playing rugby all the time before they go off to France. Um, so listen, he was getting his feet under the table, but he, he wasn't putting yeah. a blanket ban on French race I, I think, I think, well, that's that's good to hear because it would be disastrous. But yeah. I do think World Rugby have got a, have got a model to develop in most countries now. I think they've they finally hit on a model that sort of works. I do think, you know, whether it's Black Lion in Georgia or Lusitanos in Portugal, yeah, they're good teams. Or Drewer in Fiji, or it's really difficult. So we haven't even touched on Tonga and Samoa. Tonga and Samoa are so much more difficult. So much more difficult. Yeah. I, I, you know, Moana have not had a great start to the first two seasons. I think you just got to be patient because it's the own. I can't see a better model than putting a team in Auckland, even though they're really struggling for an audience. Um, you know, Auckland's. They've got the Blues. They've got the Warriors. The Warriors have had a wonderful season. They've been sold out most weekends for the first time in decades. Uh, and, and Moana are competing in that market. But I don't see how else you do it for Samoa and, and Tonga. The, the islands are so small. They're so... They're much, they're poorer than, much poorer than Fiji. Mm. Um, and we can just about put it together on the island. One team. One team. Mm. You know, and I think that... That model is working quite well in South America. One team, maybe two. Georgia's now got two, haven't they? They've got two franchises, professional teams, full-time players underneath the national team, and then all the others playing abroad. For a, for a developing nation with a limited commerciality and a limited player base, I think that model's pretty as good as you're going to get. Mm. And they play each other. And if you put a national competition around that fine but i mean you'd never work in fiji to said build up the skipper cup it would never ever ever work yeah i They've just got to play against better teams than that i'd just like to say what one thing about um you know in reference to what you said about portugal and ha how sort of undeveloped outside the university structure of the game is there the portuguese level of support People going along to the stadiums and supporting them in France was astounding. Was great, yeah, it was, it was. It, well, given given what you've said, it was astounding, really. I mean, I well, know no, 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 because there's, there's the, the expat Portuguese community in France is huge. It's big, yeah. I those know. guys, those guys aren't those guys weren't coming from Lisbon largely. They were they they live in France. They're there. Yeah, sure. They were, but they're Portuguese, so they went along to watch their national team. But if you go to a game in Portugal. Mm. Right, as I have several times, I can tell you now it's tiny. Mm. And you go into the Portuguese rugby union and you see the level of resource they've got and how much it would take and how many years it would take to put an infrastructure of any size there. It's huge. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's the two that look most promising to me. Ironically, Georgia. Georgia has got everything it'll ever need. It, it, Georgia just needs time and games, regular games against the top tier. Now, you've got to find a way to get that around. And that's... They won't do it, Mark. It, the, the international community will not do it. I mean, well, talk, 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 I mean, you, you spoke about relega uh, relegation being the enemy of growth. Mark. I understand that argument, yeah. absolutely. And I don't necessarily disagree with it in, with any great passion. I mean, all these things are nuanced, as you as you were you were talking about the the, the issues of of um, 
of, of, of island, island players playing abroad. It's a very nuanced argument. But I don't believe, as I'm sitting here, with the new Nations Championship structure and two divisions, that relegation, the promotion and relegation will ever happen. And the reason I say that is mm. we've had this discussion about the Six Nations for a long time now, very often involving Georgia. And I was told by a very, very senior member of the Rugby Football Union that Scotland simply say Six Nations relegation is not an option because we go back. We go, and Italy would say the same. And, we so go would and they would say, the same. "Well, they may well so say the same. They may well say the same about Wales. the Nations Championship because that's, so that's two years of fixtures. So your relegation, your idea of promotion relegation is gone straight I, away. They'll no. voted out in twenty twenty nine. They they own the company. They'll just voted they, out. They, if Portugal it, it, came it, up, it, they don't want Portugal. They don't right. bring any gate. You're absolute. There's no way." There's ever going to be, whichever point, promotion and relegation out of the promotion out of the Six Nations. There's just, just never, ever, ever going to happen for a very simple reason. The whole, if you look, if you would, well, actually, if you look at the history of the Six Nations, I mean, whether it would repeat itself, you would say, you know, every every nation has come bottom at some point of time. I think that's true, isn't it? It must be. France yeah. certainly were bottom for decades. Italy had been bottom for decades. Ireland used to be bottom for decades. And Scotland. England would have certainly managed it in the 70s. And I'm sure England have come bottom once or twice, right? Yeah. Just, just play the record through to the end, right? What does Scotland do if they get down to the second tier, even for one season? What do you think that does to their revenue? So tell me, how are you going to finance grassroots development in Scotland then? And how are you going to finance Edinburgh and Glasgow? And how are you going to finance the national team? Because it is all predicated on revenues that have been built up over decades through a tournament that's got huge value. Mm. Purely to goodness, the only way you can do this is through controlled expansion and not through promotion or relegation. So why are world rugby talking about why world rugby talking about promotion and relegation in the nations championship? Why? Yeah, why? Well, because there are some people extraordinary enough who don't agree with me. You know, I I, I think it's a nonsense, <laughs> right? I think the way to do it is the way that is the way that actually it just hasn't been quick enough. The way that four nations went to six and the rugby championship has gone from three and it will end it will soon be six, mm. right? That is the route. You expand, and, it, and, and people say, oh, it's not enough weeks, it's not enough weeks. Fine. We'll split the competition in half then. Right? Restructure it. Do We've done it with the World Cup, right? Everyone said, oh, there aren't enough 24 competitive teams. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. There's going to be some horrible, horrible fixtures in 2027 and 31. There were some horrible fixtures this time too. And they're, right? a, big, and they're a big turn-off for non-rugby people. A they are. Turn-off. Uh, they are. Chris, I know they're a turn off for me. I find them deeply dull. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to pay a price, right? Mm. It's the price you pay because you can't, on the one hand, I would say, argue for more regular competitive games for the likes of Spain and Portugal and Georgia and Fiji and Tonga and Samoa et al. 
and then shrink the World Cup. Yeah. Which for which for all its faults does currently give those those countries a very limited and unsatisfactory access to top level competition. And and it'll get it'll be bad. Twenty building up a country that can compete with the likes of New Zealand and South Africa takes decades. Okay. You know, the days when Canada could go and get to a World Cup because we're all jolly amateur boys and had a drug drink up, they're gone. Those days, that is not coming back. Yeah, just going back to the uh, the promotion and relegation thing, Mike. What In, we saw international problem? or domestic? International, six nations. Right. That's what we were talking about. Okay. And, yeah, and it's knock-on effect for the Nations Cup and so on and so forth. What is it that happens in France with the top 14 and Pro D2 and the, the leagues below? What happens is, is that they make sure that the funding available in Pro D2 is enough for them to aspire to get back in. And it's not a pipe, it's not a pipe dream. So if you said of the current six nations that they all put an element of their earnings from the six nations into a pot that enabled them to spread it through the second tier, the European uh, Nations Cup, so that the idea of getting promotion back out of it is not a, a, a financial disaster of the sort that you're talking about. That is another solution to the problem. The problem is, is that they're greedy and World Rugby's distribution of its monies and so on does not address that greed to a degree. It can be done another way, and it should be done another way, in my view. Well, I think that's an incredibly emotive term, isn't it? Well, it no one's made it greedy. That implies it is that somehow somebody's making an urn out of it all. And I think anybody in Wales or Scotland or Australia would, would smile wryly at that yeah. sort of description yeah you know professional full-time sport is an extraordinarily expensive business certainly is and, when you're coaches and, of money and and the countries who are if you like at the top of the tree at the moment would say and i'm not saying i agree with this but i can understand the argument they create the value you know people want to see new zealand play in south africa a lot it's they're the customer. They're the games they want to see. Yeah, I'm not sure they, they, they don't play them eight times a year, though. I don't think anyone's suggesting they play eight times a year, Nick, but maybe you know something I don't. Well, yeah, it's a shrinking I mean, they, they, market at the top, isn't it? So, well, is there? Uh, you look at the see, people who've won the... You look at the people who've won the World Cup, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> well, that... You, you can't legislate people to become worse can you you can't no, say i'm sorry you lot you're too you're too good can you stop being quite so good? i don't think promotion relegation does that i well, think it's a meritocracy you know yeah it's you my problem with scotland, scotland example. Yeah. nick you i'm never going to change you're wrong but i'm never going to change your mind it's that the, the world of sport is a wash with 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 that system being shown to be incredibly inefficient, right? The only 
sports and and countries that can get away with it are the very very largest markets you've just said one yourself why can they get away with it in france because it's the largest rugby market in the world bar none you cannot replicate that in any of the smaller markets and by that i mean ireland england new zealand australia south africa you just can't do it the rugby economy is too small right so fine france you carry on Nobody else has got the level of government support. Nobody else has got the level of municipal stadiums. Nobody else has got the, num- the number of the TV audiences and therefore the TV money. So this trot, this t- tired old argument like they do it in France, let's just copy that, is nonsense. It's a bit like Wales trying to copy Ireland. It won't work in Wales. It works in Ireland. That's the damn point, right? This is a global thing, and I firmly believe the way forward has got to be to expand the number of teams in the World Cup and expand as, as quickly as you can the other teams in the other competitions. And what I would say about some of the developing countries, right? Everyone goes on, and I'm, if I, I hope I've said what a huge fan I am of Georgia. I've got friends there. I think they are going to be a real power in the game, right? How many tier one countries have they ever beaten? Well, how many have they ever played? <laughs> well, they played a few, but all right, but of the ones well, they played, that's, that's the San Francisco rest. agreement from 2016. But, well, we ignore how it. Many, how many have they actually beaten? Well, Wales, well, but again, I'm not asking how many have they played. No, they've beaten two. They have yeah. been, to be fair. They've beaten Italy. Italy. I don't know if they count as tier one or tier two. They beat Italy once yeah. and they beat Wales once. Now, what I'm saying is, and this is deeply, deeply unromantic and unpopular, right? But The time it takes you to build up a truly internationally competitive team is not just about playing other strong nations, right? In a way, that sort of comes near the end, right? There's a pile of stuff you've got to take Spain, right? Spain, I think, got massive potential, massive, right? It's a big country. They've got way more players than Portugal. They've got one or two towns like Valladolid did and one or two bits of Madrid where we've got a bit of a foothold, a little bit up in Catalan. It's not much football mad, but it's it's we've got a bit. But honestly, their union's a basket case. You know, until you sort out the Spanish reunion, and that's very hard to do because the world rugby aren't a dictator, it's going to be really difficult in Spain. Right? Georgia have been at this 20 years, Mark. They've been in World Cups for 20 years. They may have been in World Cups, Chris, but as you know... I appreciate that it takes a long time to do this. I'm not not convinced. I'm not convinced that without um, much more radical thinking, and I'm talking about stuff like revenue sharing, about about teams playing um, um, high-quality fixtures, not necessarily against... um, the All Black First team, but no, I agree with that. And that we're going to probably New Zealand Maori or or whatever it is. I think it's a pile of stuff you can do around the other types of teams. And I I don't see any of it happening. What what I do see happening is um, a narrowing, a narrowing of international rugby at the top level. Yeah. And, and an expansion. I mean, I mean, it's, it's undeniable that there's an narrowing I think that's really of I mean, the top level because those fixtures, those fixtures, those fixtures are narrowed. Oh, the powerful are playing I think the that's really now. unfair on New Zealand. I think of any country. That's no, the strong. powerful are playing the powerful now. 
under the nation's championship, there's been a narrowing. So you're narrowing international rugby while expanding international rugby shot window. So you're asking these people to play no fixtures for three and a half years and then rock up at the World Cup and be brave. It's yeah, I know. Uh, it's completely, it's logically incoherent, actually. Let me just, I, I'd agree with, my, with a lot of that. Just, but let's give me one. We talked about Georgia a fair bit. How many people, do you know how many people play rugby in Georgia? I don't. Right. Well, this is what I'm saying about if you want to build up a genuinely competitive um, country, there's a lot of aspects to yeah. it, right? And I, when I, I was blown away when I found this out. I'm absolutely blown away. It's only 7,000, mm. including kids. All right? I went out and did some work there just before I came to Fiji. And this is what they said. I said, tell me what your real problems are. You know, tell me. But I can see your strengths. I can see you've got political alignment between all the political parties, the government. That's really important because in lots of countries there isn't. Right? I can see that you've got a genuine culture of rugby because it represents being not Russian. Right, and it goes back away, and I, I get that. And there's the whole link to Lelo and the mm. wrestling and all that kind of stuff. Get all that. So, what are your problems? So, well, hardly any. They said, hardly, Mark, hardly anyone plays. We've got very few clubs, and we've got very few pitches. Right. If Georgia's ever gonna not just make up the numbers at the top table and be genuinely competitive, they got a pile of work to do. Now, fortunately, they've got a billionaire involved in Georgia, and every country's got one, and they're in telecoms, and they've got one too. And he's got this hundred that he's got this hundred pitches project going, right? Where he's agreed to fund a hundred clubs and a hundred pitches in ten years. Now that has the potential to transform Georgian rugby. Transform it. Right. And I'm as interested in things like that, right? I I, I just don't maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but I just don't believe in being a Fiji's reinforces my feeling of business. That it's not just about give them games against the top lot and that will fix it. It, it. it just won't. No. It's a lot more complicated than that. It is complicated. Without a doubt. It's, ma- it's massively complicated. And But I do, th- and, and here again, you know, you talk to people in World Rugby and say, well, look, what do you do? Because there's so many countries who would love support and would, if you like, inverted commas, deserve it. But well, how do you do? You've got a certain amount of money. You could argue it should be more or less. But it is a certain amount. It's limited. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's limited resources. Where do you put it for the next 10 years? Now, they're quite clear about it. They say, look, 10 years ago, our number one priority was Japan. Right? 15 years ago. The last five years, our number two, our two priorities have been Fiji and Georgia. Right. And we think, and I'd agree with them, putting more money into a smaller number of countries for a particular period of time is way more effective than trying to spread everything a mile wide and an inch deep. Well, yeah, and, positive discrimination. And that we argued for that years ago and told they couldn't do that. And, but clearly they have started to well, do that. They've been doing that, Bren. I can I assure you, they've been doing. I mean, and, and and our Pacific brothers, you know, are slightly, understandably, a bit pissed off to a degree that they feel Fiji have got more than their fair share. But I I think what 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 will happen in the next and it may, and no, of course, it isn't quick enough. But you have to start from where you're from, and the vested interests of certain organ, well, particularly the Six Nations. Um, 
I think in the book we said, you know, the sixth note is a mean motherfucker. And I would probably stick with that, you know. And you and object it's, to it's, greedy. It's no, I I did object <laughs> to greedy, but, you know. I, I, I because I think there's a difference. I don't think they're doing it. Well, they're doing it for their own interests, and that's they would argue that's their job. But yeah. I would argue, and I would, that the real value is in getting a couple of teams every decade up to that level, because that makes the the real generator, which is the World Cup, a far better product. But you can't, there's no magic bullet that will just bring six through like that. It's just, unless someone's going to give... Mean that there's not, you others. mean that there's not the funding, Mark, rather than that there's no magic bullet? I mean, that they could oh, yeah. do the I same mean, in Portugal, you know, I mean... The amount of funding, yeah, the amount of funding, you, what I'd say, Nick, is, is that the amount of funding you would need and the period of time over which you would need it... But, with no guarantee of success, by the way, right? Because yeah. many a slip, et cetera, et cetera. I, 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 it would, it would, it would, it would require an enormous amount of money because somewhere like Portugal, for instance, you'd have to build a base. You've got to build a participation base. It's so small, mm. right? I mean, it, 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 Georgia, to a degree, gets is a small country anyway, and it gets over it to a degree because of the cultural importance of the game within Georgia. A bit like Fiji. The cultural importance is so it's dominant. It's not true in Spain, not true in Portugal. Football's dominant, mm. right? Dominant football countries that way more expensive. I mean, the one that worries me most, and we haven't even touched on it, is America. Yeah. My, my, that's my biggest concern. We're taking the World Cup there in 2031. Everybody, you know, applauded roundly and said, Well, that's brave, that's fantastic, grow the game. She's saying it's a risk. I really do. I think it's massive. a massive risk. Massive. I, I see. I, do, I don't think. I mean, we'll get back on onto onto the Eagles, um, onto American rugby, um, and maybe broaden that out because a growth area area obviously is in South America. Obviously, yes. I mean, I mean, there, there there's there's some real there's some real reasons to be cheerful there. Yeah, there are. But but, but just to, just to go back a a moment on on this sort of broader argument, I I think. In one way, the people running cricket, and I know it's a different sport and they're in a different financial position pretty much because, of, because of, uh, of, of, the, of a vast, vast audience in the subcontinent. But they were brave enough to narrow this 50-over World Cup and wear the fact that the West Indies weren't going to qualify for them. Right. It, it was still a big name. There's still a big mm -hmm. name in the sport. Massive. I mean, can you can you imagine at the moment? And I know this is apples and pears, but just for the purposes of discussion, can you imagine the idea that Wales would not be involved in a Rugby World Cup, for instance, because they just didn't qualify? They were low enough in the rankings to have to qualify, hard, and they didn't qualify. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. I think I thought that was, on the face of it, a pretty brave move by the cricket authorities. But it's a it's a different yeah, sport. It's I a different sport, and, and you you, you don't necessarily get the blowouts because it's an individual sport in a team context, and you only need one bloke to have a good day, and you're competitive. 
So that that's so that's fine. It's not competitive. They hold it. That's all. And Chris, they hold it every year. Robin, if you can run a ten-team round robin, it takes a long time. If you go up to twelve, no, no, I'm not saying it should be a mirror image. I'm I'm just saying that the idea of losing theoretically mm. one of the big nations yeah because they weren't considered good enough i mean the 50 over world cup is once every four years now is it okay yeah, yeah. the 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 the, the, the yeah, world cup it is, is. It's once every four years but it's, it, it, it's it's just an example i only use it as an example of a, a of a, a world sporting governing body being brave enough to wear the loss of a staple because yeah, they're not good enough to get in. Yeah. I suppose my view is it always drives me mad rugby's so small. And I want the World Cup to lead the way in expansion. And that, if that means we have to live with a few very untidy... I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff here. I mean, touching. look at the under-20s World Cup, for example. It happens every year, right? Promotion and relegation, by the way, Nick. You'll be delighted, right? Um, yeah. and so at the moment, Scotland are not in the top tier of under tw under 20s, and they didn't get promoted last year because I think Spain won it. I think uh, I might be wrong there, I could, so I'm sure someone will correct me. I think Spain won it, so Japan went down, and Spain will come up, etc. Now they have an asset, so but then you've got some teams, right? who of, and, and the most, the most, I felt the most positive thing about the under twenties World Cup in South Africa this summer was that the, both the Fijian and the Georgian under twenties did pretty well, right? Particularly given the lack of preparation. I mean, the up, the preparation under twenties Fiji after that competition was virtually non-existent, uh, and there's another problem that we have got to fix up because you know the pathway is still a bit shaky. Um, but there's a model which I don't happen to agree with, but never mind, it doesn't matter. You know, they do have promotion and relegation. Teams go do, do go up and down in the air. Why is that? Well, because there's not much on it commercially. Mm. And therefore they basically and look at the sevens. I think the way they try to put the sevens into groups so that the final day gives access for people to go up and down in the pecking order, and then the sixteenth team drops out and the top guys are the thing again pretty expensive so i think but they're really important 20s is important sevens as a player development vehicle is important for a lot of these countries all right and that's really expensive too and lots of the you see and here i would be sort of echoing your view a bit but in a different area i'd be saying no england scotland wales and ireland you can't drop out of sevens you've got to put your own team in you can't put a great britain team right it's a, it's, a, it's a global thing, right? We're trying to build the game, right? You can't just opt out as they have done, you know? Mm -hmm. that, that There, I, I, I would agree with you that it's about commonality and it's about people doing their bit. And just because you're a bit stretched for cash, that's laughable compared to Kenya or Tonga or whatever. And just, you know, make some cuts somewhere else or raise a bit more revenue, whatever. It's not a big amount of money in the, in the bigger scheme of things. You should be doing that. You should be in the under-20s World Cup. You should be in the sevens. Those things, I'll agree. I think we need to be far more, um, as Chris said, 
you know, didactic about it. We shouldn't allow that level of um, individuality. It's much, much more difficult at the top end because there's so much more financially everything's predicated on it and you take it away. Mark, Mark really... I, I, I honestly, try as I might, I don't get the 2014 World Cup. I, re, I really don't. I look, I watch, I, watch, I watch every game of the World Cup. You want to get out more. But I'm a rugby bloke. I, I, so I watch it in a different way. I know, I know who's going to win. I know who's going to win the game three years in advance when they made the draw. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the... So I watch it in a different way. What can what can Chile do against this side? What can what can Uruguay do against this side? The bloke next door is a Manchester United head. He doesn't watch it in that way. He watches yeah. it for a game as a game. It's, it might be the only time he watches rugby, a bit of World Cup stuff. And to be perfectly honest with you, even the, I mean, I don't know how much of the ITV coverage you saw, and I don't know how the broadcast. None. None. Didn't see I mean, any. I mean, okay. Well, you know, people like Mark Pugach and whatever, they're really good presenters. Dead professional presenters. They had the big names on there. You're a Driscoll's, you're Deladio's, and yeah. of course they're all, would like that was I, was he? They're all trying I to talk, they're all trying to I talk up. They're all trying to talk up something that's quite difficult to talk up. Because you know in advance that this is this is 50, 60 points. Yeah. By yeah. the end of that but pool stage, think, those but those but poor buggers were really struggling to look interested. And and that's not a slant on them at all. But didn't you think Group C was fantastic? Yeah, I look. Yeah, no, no. So my my point is this. Yes, right. Yes, it was. Group B True. was wonderful, right? Terrific. Because it didn't have anyone in the top four. We got this gap between the top four and the rest, right? Yeah. Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, Portugal. Every game was pretty competitive. Yeah, we've got to have a bit of ambition as well. We've got to we've got to try and aim, right? We're going to. Can we? We probably got now. What? Let's be generous. We probably got fifteen countries. Exactly. Maybe sixteen. You you struggle to get the sixteen, and that's my uh, ideal. That's my I, ideal number, and I struggle to get the sixteen. I, I thought I thought that the ones that really Namibia, Romania, and there was another one, wasn't there? Uh, Italy. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was that was inex- that was that and Georgia was inexplicable. Uh, anyway, Namibia, um, Romania, Uruguay. No, I thought Uruguay were right. Okay, they were. Didn't they? You? No, I didn't. No, I, it's, 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 the ones that I thought really were terribly, Probably. terribly off the face. Yeah, hmm? yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean the, the, the Chiles and Portugals—they they brought something. Oh, for, for sure. I, I'm, I'm not arguing with that. I, I thought they were really interesting to watch. Now, what what degree of knowledge and passion and interest of rugby you needed to get the full to get the full effect of what they were able to achieve while still being on the wrong end of forty and fifty points? Was that's that's another that's another question. But the go to twenty four, are we going to get a, a worse African team than Namibia to play? Seriously, what are you talking yeah, I mean, about? Africa, Africa is an issue. Well, I mean, it's a, that's a, that's a nightmare. A, a, a worse Eastern European team than Romania to play? Who else? Who else are we going to okay, get? But Hong let's, Kong, let's, Walker, let's, Old Boys, Other Care. I don't not, know who, 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 who's going to play. I don't know who's going to play. Do you not think? Do you not think a few more? Do you not think that a few more blowouts in four team groups is at least balanced, perhaps not overbalanced, but at least balanced by another by the round of sixteen? 
Well, well, they're talk- they're talking to go- about going to what they call the the old Swiss style league arrangement, aren't they? I've seen that. Well, league. I thought they'd agree. They're going to go. They're going to go. Uh, obviously, an, uh, at least one more week less. Maybe in the two weeks less. Maybe in the groups because it'll. Be Are you getting to around the sixteen fourteen groups? You get two. You get something like it's. Some, you've you got some third like place. Top, you've got some third place players. Uh, and fourth best. Four best thirds. Something like that. I think. I, th- I think. And I then think you get the sixteen is a great idea. But, but and then you get around the sixteen. But there could be a lot of 60, 70 points in the, in, in the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah, about around, around, around one. Well, there might be. There might be. Yeah, okay, there might. I'm not sure there will, but I think there might be. There might be. But I, I, I firmly say that that's a price worth paying for the long-term growth. Mm. Otherwise, just this, we just this long-term we, growth is we go back to that. We go back to the, you know, the top 12 or the top, 16 or you know I, I i do maybe we're just philosophically opposed here because you know i'm saying you're you're arguing that it's a stitch up in a way or a close shop let's put it this way amongst the from the nation well i, I can i see that argument i'm struggling to see how criticism of that chimes in with not wanting to go to a 2014 world cup because it doesn't seem very consistent well no, no because it, it seems to me that you and if, if you want growth then do it over a four-year cycle of fixture lists. Don't just expect teams to rock up once every four years, having played no one, and bra- lose bravely. Because and, that's just embarrassing. It's and, run, well, and run let, a second-tier World let Cup. Me, sorry. Let me give you one other argument in, in favour of that, OK? For, for, for teams that haven't got a lot of money and haven't got a lot of players, it's not just, and I can speak from a... You know, Fiji, and you know, we're top 10 in the world now, but we still argue this strongly. One of the biggest problems is preparation time. Mm-hmm. Okay. We struggle as a lot of the, if you like, less traditional nations tr- struggle because our players are all over the world, right? Getting them together for a November international, right, effectively means two training sessions in Europe. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's pitiful. It's, it's right? the barbarians, isn't it? It's ludicrous. And by the third game, we're sort of making a bit of progress. right? And that's true of a lot of countries around the world. Right. The World Cup may have very, very many um, flaws. But for a nation like Fiji, and I would suggest even more so Samoa and Tonga and Portugal and Georgia, you get your players together for a long time before Mm -hmm. it. And it's quite a long tournament while you're there. You can make big strides with that if you've got the right yeah. coach and the right players and the right culture in a way that one-off internationals just do not provide you with that opportunity. So your, your second-tier so second World Cup run simultaneously gives you exactly those advantages? Well, then, but then you get away from what you are, again, which is about competition, you know, uh, Access to playing the best teams. Oh no, that, that's what I'm saying. You're either going to have access to playing be- the best teams, but not for six weeks, for four years. So you're so, no. So you're arguing. Let me get this straight. So you're arguing for a two-tier World Cup. Yeah. Well, as things stand, with the nations championship and what have you. Yes. All right, but, but, but let's try and do the World Cup first, right? And then okay. So, yeah. so you'd argue for a two-tier World Cup played in the same 
country, I assume. Yeah, well, so played, Monday, like... played Monday to Thursday. Right. So then you argue, you get, yeah, okay, so you get more, so you get. And then the other competition, presumably, you get then from that is you get qualification games, don't you? Right. Yeah. So, you see, it was interesting because you talked to the guys in Fiji and said, well, for years, we played Tonga and Samoa, Tonga and Samoa, maybe Japan every now and again. I mean, still, you know, mm. I still get irate when England have not been to Fiji in the professional era. Yeah. And no, and and at least the Nations Cup will make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you know, baby steps, I accept, but but Ireland have never been to Fiji to play. You New know, Zealand, that's the other. New Zealand have never. That's been. the that's the other thing. New Zealand are coming next year. They've got a roll and out of plane, and they've never been there. And, and to be fair, it's a three-hour flight. It's like you playing in Israel. Um, not quite. Um, certainly Greece. Um, <laughs> Ireland have, Ireland have never been to Ireland have never been to Fiji to play an international. And we do this to countries as well, is that all the games they do get tend to be away. Right? At least again in a World Cup, you play a country on a neutral in a new, largely in a new, unless you get the host, you play them in a neutral venue. There are, in my argument, in my as you're trying to build an a, you know, I do argue this strongly. This does take decades. It's a complicated, expensive game. It takes decades. You can't just flick a switch, right? I mean, I thought one of the most disappointing teams at the World Cup this gone was Japan. I was really disappointed in Japan. I thought they'd gone backwards. Mm -hmm. And then you find out, and then you talk to people who work there and talk to people who do it. And it's, it's nothing to do with fixtures. It's nothing to do. So why have you gone backwards? It's that simple. You know, we're really strong at high school. They go to university and they have to wait till the third year to get in the team because of the whole hierarchical thing. And then they have to wait to get in the company team. And so the level of pace of development between about 18 and 23 is slowed right down. That's not a money thing. That's not a fixture thing. That's a cultural thing. Yeah, but, but, that, that, system, but that system was in place ahead and of 2015. And only Japanese can fix that. Sorry. Yeah, but that system was in that system was in place ahead of 2015. Yes, it was, and they and they overcame it by effectively cancelling domestic rugby. That's oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that's a good answer. So, yeah. I'm not sure that's a long term option. No, no, to indeed. be honest. Indeed. So, <laughs> I suppose all I'm arguing is it's. I, I do think they've got a model now. You mentioned South America. You see, I think there's some there's some there's interesting rumors. I don't know if this is true, so please don't make this a splash, right? But I'm hearing rumors that the Jaguars may reform and be based out of the west coast of America. Miami, yeah. Because the problem you've got is no everyone knows Argentina are good enough to put a team into Super Rugby Pacific or or you know. And, and we all know the real solution would be a, an explosion of rugby in North America would allow you to get down. And, but mm. I can't see that happening at the moment. So if you put the Jaguars in somewhere, San Diego, San Francisco, LA, whatever, direct flight from Auckland, direct flight from Sydney, direct flight from Landy, that might work. It ain't going to work in Buenos Aires. But love it. Much as you might love it, right? 
it ain't going to work in Buenos Aires. And you talk to all the Argentinian guys who voted against this, by the way, all the South Americans voted against this change for the very reasons, and I understand that you're putting forward, saying you're doing nothing for tier two. We're not voting for this. Um, but there is some interesting, I mean, you know, South Africa to Buenos Aires to Sydney to Nandi was ridiculous. And that's just, it's just, we can't do that. You know, how environmentally unfriendly do you want to be? Um, but would it work with a, with a, with a Jaguaris team based? It's a, quite a short season. That would, that would be, and then maybe, you know, you have Argentina A playing with Chile, Uruguay, and whatever. The point you did make, Chris, I'd be completely in agreement. The larger nations need to be playing non-test teams regularly against some of the countries ranked 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I think that's absolutely agree with that 100%. That can make a real, that can make a real difference, actually. You know, and, and Again, this to me comes under things like you've got to put a sevens team in. You've got to play in the under-20s. You've got to put your rep teams up against some of these other teams. Because A, it's the art of the possible as well, to a degree. That is easier to get through. Yeah. If we can just bring in the sort of format of the World League to tie in um, everything that's being talked about. Obviously, I sort of alluded to the format of it at the start. It's 12 teams in Division 1, 12 teams in Division 2. Mark, what's the logic behind ring fencing it until 2030? Because that's the main... No, I'm not. I'm not in... I don't know, Ollie. I'm not in the room. I mean, I'm not... I don't run the Fijian Rugby Union. So, um, I, I don't... I can't answer that. No, I'm asking what you believe the logic is or what whether you I'm see any logic to it. It's things like, and people hate this, the Lions Tour is a real block. Right? If, if you really want to be radical, get rid of the British Lions. Because <laughs> that opens up a whole load of stuff. Well, opens up a year. Really, if you really want to do something for the tier twos, get rid of the Lions tours. It's an enact say, I'm not I'm not arguing for this. I'm just saying there's a radical <laughs> a radical option for you. But well, you say self-serving, you say looking after yeah. themselves. Yeah. How how can you defend it? You're the ones you're the one, you're the boys making the arguments. How do it you would open it? it would open up a year. I, I mean, I I have yeah. I have serious problems with where as to where the lions are at the moment. Anyway, in terms of it, it it's 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 structured on rugby romance. The lions to me now. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm as big a romantic as the next guy with with a hell of a lot of rugby. I mean that that's 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 that that's in a way that's deep in the DNA of rugby. For, for what you would call rugby people, that whole romantic view of of, of clinging on to the well, in the, stuff in in the, the UK, yes, but, in the UK, but, but we're we're down to we're down to eight nine games, whatever it is. Increasingly, uh, the games outside the test matches are meaningless or next to meaningless. The idea of picking a side on form in real time during a Lions tour is gone. I mean, Warren Gatman, who knows as much, or spent as much time with the Lions as anyone 
anyone on earth, um, um, basically said any Lions coach now has to pick his test side before he leaves. Before they leave. I know. Well, that's, not, that's not what the Lions is meant to be about, well, as maybe, we all understand it. So I do have problems with it. Maybe we shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. But, I mean, if you're looking at radical <laughs> solutions <laughs> on behalf of the whole game, which I think is what you guys were arguing, hmm. you cannot have that elephant in the room. You've got to deal with that too. I, I certainly I, think the Lions have to go to South America. I mean, if the Lions are going to continue, they have to go to South America. Look, nobody's nobody's saying that the Lions don't have to, you know, don't have to adapt. And a lot of us have been saying it for a very, very long time. But the well, idea, there's, there's that you scrap, the idea that you scrap something that is one of the, you know, the the sort of the the great highlights of the sport, something that energizes people, not just in the UK, but also Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand, um, is... Fewer teams in the Nations Cup, Nick. Just seems bizarre to me, you know, I mean... Isn't it? Do, do, do people in France watch the Lions? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, this no. is I think that they take an interest in it. Absolutely, they I, do. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if it's televised in France. I... Absolutely, it is. They okay. do take an interest in it. Yeah, it's they've got an interest hard. in the sport. Full stop. You know, I mean, you could argue, and I've heard it say, well, they should change the nature of it. It should become South America one four years, Pacific Islands the next four years, and one in New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa for the third one. All right, you could you could come up with all kinds of iterations, and I'm I'm not arguing for it. I'm just making. It, I'm just putting it up there and saying, guys, you can't have sacred. If, if you're on for radical change and revenue sharing and for the greater good and giving people a fair shot and all the rest of it, yeah, you know, a a concept that only involves <laughs> seven nations over twelve years has got a lot of justification to do. It is a reinforcement of old world supremacy. It is. It is. I'm, I'm, I love the. I, 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 you know, the lion seems great, but it, but in in within within the frame of what we're discussing, it is a it, the lions is a reinforcement of old world supremacy. It is that. I mean, that's the ultimate closed shop. Yeah, but it's you know, I mean, the ultimate closed shop. I mean, one of the things is is that you can you you know there could be a justification financially. They put more money into the into world rugby coffers for development and so yeah. on. Well, you know, well I mean, there, there, those, there we go back to the arguments There we go back to the heart of our arguments. The heart yeah. of our arguments for the last hour and a quarter has been how are you going to balance. Um, how are you going to balance the interests of the people who generate the money, which are the top nations, against the idea of expanding your game? Mm, what do you correct. consider to be more important? Now, correct. of course, it's nuanced. It's not an either or. Of course, it's not. But yeah. it's but 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 old world interests in rugby, the same as I dare say, uh, they are in other sports. But the the the, the old established order fights its corner like a dog. It does, and, I th- and, and, and it I don't will continue to do so. World rugby make any money out of Lions tours. I think it's entirely shared between the British Lions yeah, yeah. and well, the right. host nation. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't referring to world of, rugby there. I, I wasn't, when I said the established order, I didn't mean world rugby. I, I meant, no. I meant, but world rugby is only a creature 
of its con- of its Correct. constituent bodies. No, anyway. no, no. Correct, and 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 that's and you and you know someone like Gus Pichot, his whole argument is exactly what you've just outlined: is that there is no, and I'm sort of I'm sort of making a a more general argument, but you guys were quite specific about is that you, know, you don't have to persuade me that. The, the sport is conservative with small c and hide bound and like all organizations a victim of its own history to some degree I, I i totally understand that but i'm also think that um you know there are things we can all we could i think there are there are things you could get people around which are deliverable you know i'm not a great one for well here's a great wonderful theory but you can't execute it well that's great but i didn't really want to do philosophy sorry you know. one second but we'll see what are you where are you on the world cup numbers nick you you with chris or you would stay at 20 or go to 24 where, where, where you sit on that one i i i would um i wouldn't go to 24 i you know just because i think that the mismatches are a complete at the length of the tournament this time round as well, you know, I mean, it dissipated the tournament a, a, a lot. Obviously, there was the additional factor of France going out in the quarters. But, you know, I, I think that I'm very, very uh, keen on the idea of a um, of a second-tier World Cup, how it leafs into and where it fits in with the, uh, you know, with the main tournament. In in principle, what I'd like to see is the uh, the four semi finalists from it go into the um, uh, you know join join the sixteen um, and get some headwind from playing in the uh, in, in the initial tournament in the second tier tournament. I um, cool. I don't like the idea of you know of 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 dead rubbers. The the more of them you've got. The less of a tournament you've got, the less of a yeah. I think if the groups go size goes back to four, which is what I understand the proposal is, mm. six mm. groups of four. I think the number of dead rubbers will be reduced because, by definition, you'll have. I think we've all agreed we've probably got about a fifteen team. You know, you got to get three decent teams in each group. You need to get to eighteen. And there'll be, and there and will you've be. You've got three yeah. decent teams in each group and one dud. You've got a lot of dead rubbers. You've got yeah. three duds, but it's interesting, isn't it? Though, don't you think you got that, three, it? three duds per group. That's per I thought that yeah. was. I thought that was really interesting, though. That the crowds didn't fall much for the for the blowouts. Yeah, but very often, Mark, in World Cups, I, I mean, if it's marketed well, and I, I, I'm not inside the, the way the French marketed the World Cup, but but we, we all remember the famous game in Tasmania between R- Romania and Namibia, I think, which was a sellout back in 03 or whatever it was. They market those games quite hard. And, when you've got four years. And as you say, France being the biggest rugby constituency in the world, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's, a, there's exactly. a genuine passion for it there, whether that would have happened, whether that whether you can do that I, I suppose if anyone can do that, the United States would be able to do it. But whether you can do it in Australia in four years' time, that will be an interesting one. That that's going to be fascinating. Mm. That's going to yeah. be fascinating. Yeah, I, I, my, my, my son's living in Australia, and a, apart from when there's an Eddie Jones row, the 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 coverage now in in Australian daily newspapers is minuscule, mm. minuscule. 
No, no, that's not news, Chris. It was I've, no, no. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I was working there th from thirteen. Of course, several yeah. years later, it was the same. It was the same then. Yeah, it's never been a mass market sport in that part of the world. But no, no but it's been more of the still. Been much still more genuine of a, interest in the wallabies. Yeah, but much more of a presence. Much more of a presence than it is now. You know, I mean, it, it's really fallen off off the edge, hasn't it? That was the Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way, and um, good. I'm, I'm, I can refer you to um, my new brochure, mate. Mate, which, there's only there's only 144,000 being allowed in, and you're certainly not going to be one of them. Well, which I, I can only say, and I never thought I'd say this, but Jehovah's Witnesses brochure, um, of which I am now in possession, makes more sense than World Rugby. Little harsh, I feel a little harsh. He hasn't read it either. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, gentlemen, I think we've done that one to death, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just about to say. So, Mark, your conclusion is that the twenty-four team model is a step in the right direction. I, I, I am. I, I, I know there are going to be difficulties with it, and I know there's some risk. I, I think it's a risk worth taking, um, and I also think. I think you only look at this World Cup. It creates pressure for change in and of itself. Whoever would have been arguing for Portugal before this current World Cup? Who would really have understood the rise of Uruguay for the last couple? I do think it also, and we haven't touched on that, but my other reason for it is that it's the prep time, it's the profile, and it's the pressure it creates. And sometimes movies are right you know build it and they will come i think i i i, I sort of half believe that mm. I, I i i would like to think that the rugby sort of governing class can find ways of of catching the breeze that that's been generated by the successful minnows, for want of a better word, the the idea the idea is, is the idea is for Uruguay and Chile and Portugal not to suffer a Japan, a Georgia, and in a way in Italy um, that that it, it builds on what it's achieved and doesn't take you know a lot of these things can always be two step forwards one step back but in some in some nations i think we've seen one step forward and two steps back and that's that's the wrong direction whichever way you get it so but it's interesting that but wouldn't you agree you've been following the game a long time in fact all three of us are of you know of an age and have a look back to how many were competitive in 95 do you not think we've come a fair way well um the it depends how you measure these things, Mark. I mean, I did so. I did some rough sort of nonsense on this subject two or three weeks ago, um, and 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 this these were the biggest winning margins. No, no, I didn't mean the margins. I meant the number of the number of nations that you would say on the basis of the last twenty years, 30, 30, 25 years. No, no, they're 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 they're, they're a rugby nation. They they play. They've got teams. Well, I suppose I, mean, you, I wouldn't you have look said, at Canada. I'm a, a, I'm a bit of, yeah, you've lost Canada. I yeah. agree. 
you've lost Canada. But, you may have gained, and and Romania, effectively. You, you, you lost Romania. Um, yeah. You know, Italy, Italy have always had a... Always had a, a side up and down. You you would you would say that there have been there have been times when Tonga and Samoa have been ahead of a lot. But although actually the Tongas and Samoans, I mean particularly Samoans, had their moments during this World Cup, anyway, um, uh, which, which was which was reassuring. Um, it, it, it's quite a difficult it's quite a difficult thing to measure competitiveness, isn't it? It is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure competitiveness is sorry as we've gone down lower, but I'm not sure competitiveness is quite the thing i think it's more about does this do they look uh, this is very hard to measure right but i mean i'm a bit like you i didn't watch all the games chris but i watched a fair number and and i'm always like you know do they look like a proper rugby team and that's a ridiculous metric right but do they look like they know what they're doing it's easier to judge it's easier to judge uncompetitive than it is competitive yeah, and and I must admit, I looked at some of those teams this time and thought, cool, fair play. Yeah. You know, regardless of the result, you, you, you're a proper team. And and I maybe I'm being glass half full, but I honestly think there are significantly more nations now. And even though the level's gone at the top has gone really, really high. I think there are significantly more nations now. When you watch them play at a World Cup, you think, oh, actually, you know what? You're a, you're a proper team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know they come to a World Cup and some of them to underperform a bit. And we've mentioned a couple and a couple come to it and they overperform a bit and they surprise us. But, you know, I would never have thought Portugal could play like that. I would never have thought Chile could play like that. Twenty years ago, I wouldn't even wasn't even sure they played. If I'm honest, in 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 a world of small advances, in in a way, I take I take more I take more encouragement from the fact that Uruguay have not gone backwards at all from where they were four years yeah. ago. So yeah. they, you know, they won a game um, four years ago, and they've won a game this time, um, and it was. You know, so so the notion that, that they were a complete fluke is um, that that's that's dissipated a little bit, and and that you you would hope that they can be stronger again next time. Of course, of course you would. And, I mean, and, 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 a lot of, and they are they are small advances, and, and it it does take an enormous amount of time. And, I, I just and South I just, America is geographically so isolated. Indeed, the the, the, the South the South American solutions got to come out of South America. Well, it, it, I think, just in a way, it is, Mark. You know, I mean, that's that that's what's happened to a degree. You know, they've been the architects of their own rise, and and you've got to admire that. And and you know, maybe I, I definitely think we can do some more with rep teams going to those types of nations. I definitely think we can do some more around the sevens and then the under twenties. And I definitely think we can do some more around the whole this whole idea of franchises in one country and playing each other as well. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, I don't. You've probably never been to a rugby. You've been to a rugby Europe international. Uh, Brent, Brent, Brendan will have done. Brent, Brendan, Brendan, who's the expert on um, but, such lot, is the expert on rugby Europe. It's, it's really fast. It's it's really interesting. It really is. Um, but it, it's it's uplifting and depressing in equal measures, depending yeah, on who you go and see. Actually, um, mm. but you know. It's, I'll it's, tell you what, I'd, a, I'd pay money to go and see Portugal play Spain when they next play. That, <laughs> apparently, I've never been to that. But that's one of the biggest rivalries that there is. 
that's always a bit of a belter, I'm told. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that, that, that might be worth a watch. <laughs> Good. Right, guys, I think that probably does wrap us up. Yeah. We didn't I'm definitely going to get to bed now. Stick to an hour, but yeah, Mark, I'm conscious that it's 10.30 p.m. where you are. Right, Take day. care. That was very oh, interesting. Hey, it's good to see you, Mark. Best of luck, yeah, old Likewise, Mark. Well, Take care, Mark. Great to see you. Take care. After a dramatic Rugby World Cup, all eyes are now on the Guinness Six Nations. Make it a special day with friends, family, teammates, colleagues, or clients by booking an exceptional official hospitality experience with our friends at Keith Prowse, principal sales partner to England Rugby Hospitality. Their match day experience in the gate really has to be seen to be believed. So book your experience now and make memories that will last a lifetime. Visit keithprouse.co.uk forward slash the rugby paper now. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Rugby Paper podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and recommend the show to your friends. The Rugby Paper is available to buy every Sunday. And to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe to our print, digital and online options at therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. That's therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions to get all our content for as little as 14p per day.